Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. That's some powerful stuff. We've had that this morning in our first two hours. Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests will join us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including our Browns reporter, Jake Trotter, on a huge make-or-break year for Baker Mayfield. That's coming up at 8, 10 a.m. Eastern. He's working on a big story for ESPN.com, so perhaps he can take us inside and give us a little preview. Baker, one of the more fascinating figures in the NFL this year. This is going to be his fourth head coach in three years key with Kevin Stefanski. They have the NFL's longest playoff drought to the surprise of absolutely nobody. To the surprise of absolutely nobody, Jay, the Lakers rolled over the Blazers. They can finish them off tomorrow night. And really, to the surprise of nobody, NBA players speaking out on social justice yet again. I want to kind of get your thoughts and everything that's been percolating in the country here for the last 24 to 48 hours. And then we will hear from LeBron James and a very, very passionate George Hill, who is bringing up a point that Kyrie Irving, if he was listening to us this morning, might be nodding at. That's coming up in a minute, but I'd like to get your thoughts first. Yeah, it's. I feel like we have Booger McFarland brought up a great point. We've been discussing this the whole morning. He said, you know, what more visibility do we need to bring to the table on this issue, Key? How many more videos need to come out before we actually start trying to do the right thing? Mm -hmm. And it really frustrates me because it it stares us in the face, but yet we do nothing. People yell, people uproar, people are angry, people are frustrated. You and I have used our platforms multiple times. We talk about this until we're blue in the face, and these things continue to happen. Now, I know there are a lot of nuances, and we have a lot more details that come out on the situation, but I go back to that one thing, you know, police need to also police police and we need to have situations like that, that are de-escalated. And regardless, I don't know if he, what he was reaching for, you know, rumors out there, he was reaching for a gun or he had a knife. Still does that give reason to shoot a man in the back seven times in the back. And I just go into this because we, you know, we're discussing this all day long. Let's think about his kids who are three, five and eight who had to watch that. Forever stained. Mm-hmm. I imagine if my daughter had to watch something like that happen to me. How do you ever move forward from that? How are they supposed to ever have a chance or any sense of normalcy when you go through that? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, it's, you know, when you're young, I got a young eight-year-old. My eight-year-old Vance is petrified of sirens, mm-hmm. right? He just, he, he hears it. He freaks out. He tenses up. Fire because engine, cop fire, car, anything. Oh, anything Siren. with flashing lights yeah. and a, because he thinks there's something going, it's always something's going to happen bad. Mm-hmm. He never thinks anything is going to happen good. And no matter if I'm watching the news and he steps into the room and I click it off because I'm mindful of that, he has devices where it may pop up on his phone, his iPad. He may be playing one of those games and some advertisement comes up or news or whatever the case may be. He's eight with a brain like a 25-year-old. So he's going to process that information, but he's petrified of the police. He, he really, if, I mean, they could be literally flying down a highway, have nothing to do with us, and he thinks they're coming after us. He does, you know, and so I don't ever want him to live in fear. I teach him, I try and teach him, don't live in fear. Don't, don't worry about those sort of things. But for whatever reason, when he's hearing or he's seeing or he's watching Guys get gunned down in the streets or police officers putting their knee on necks or, or, or beating women or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. just being aggressive and having an aggressive behavior and nothing is happening to them and they feel like it's all free and we can just do what we want to do. 
because we got a license to kill, that scares people. Keyshawn J. Wills, you've been brought to you by Shell. Live sports are back just like the rest of us. We're all getting back on the road, stopping at a friend's place to watch the game or stopping to grab a bite at our favorite spot, safely and socially distant, of course. And between those stops, there's always Shell to help you make the most of that stop you need to make. I want to play this from George Hill. He's a member of the Bucks. All of this happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, it's a lakeside town between Chicago and Milwaukee. The latter, the Bucks, looking for their first championships in 71, their first final appearance in 74, moving a little bit closer. And echoing something Kyrie Irving had said before the bubble restarted, which is, why are we even here? Bottom line, George Hill, the players have no recourse and they have no business on campus in Florida. I mean, we can't do anything. Um, first of all, we shouldn't even came to this damn place, to be honest. Uh, I think coming here just took all the focal points off of what the issues are. But but we're here, so um, it is what it is. Um, you know, we can't do anything from right from right here, but I think definitely when this all settles, you know, some things need to be done. I think this world has to change. I think our police department has to change. Um, us as a society has to change. And um, right now we're not seeing any of that, you know, lives are being taken, you know, as we speak day in and day out. And there's no consequence or accountability for it. And, and that's what has to change. I, I understand what, what George is saying um, about that. But LeBron James is still – doing what he does. That message is still being sent. Okay. If, if sports wasn't happening and basketball wasn't in the bubble and the players were out protesting, they're not going to concentrate on those positive protests. The news media, they're looking for the looters and the riots and things of that nature to concentrate on. Because there's things that's going on right now in protests across the United States, still Z, mm-hmm. and it's still being talked about. Players are playing in the bubble, and they're still talking about it. Players are playing in the bubble, and they're still trying to kill people and still hurting people in the streets. And even if the players were not in the bubble, when they weren't in the bubble, guess what? They were still putting their hands on people, treating people wrong in the streets while they were protesting. So it wasn't like just because they're out on the streets protesting and sending the message that it was going to stop the police from doing the things that they were doing. You mentioned LeBron. You want to hear from LeBron? This Wait, is LeBron. can I say something real quick? Go ahead. Maya Moore, we should even be here. Then why are you there, George Hill? You had an option to be there. You didn't have to be there. You chose to be there. You chose to be in the bubble. You could be outside the bubble. You could be going to protests. You could be doing things for Black Lives Matter if that's meaningful to you. I'm not saying that it's not meaningful to him. But Maya Moore quit her basketball career and dedicated herself to a cause. George Hill could have done that. Now, I I will also say this. If George Hill is not in the bubble, even though this happened in Wisconsin, maybe a beat writer or two picks up on George Hill's comments. But now every national talk show is talking about George Hill's comments because they're amplified due to the immediate attention in the bubble. There's no doubt about that. Look, fear elevates uh, ratings for media. I mean, a lot of media fear mongers, right? Every single day. There's a reason why I tell my wife, don't watch the news today. You're always going to tell me about what you're afraid of, what's happening. So you're not going to hear people like George Hill being pushed on those channels that you watch. No. But here you do. Here you might hear that voice, that sliver, 
right? That gives you more reason. You don't hear that if you were not at the bubble. That's, that's a great the, point. And that's the, the great thing about it. The sports media, we're concentrating on the bubble. So we're going to make sure to put that message out there. The normal, everyday media, eh, they, eh, push that aside because we want to concentrate on November. We want to kind of get away from these sort of things until something happens. Now we want to talk about it because it's more in the negative category instead of the positive category. And that's just the way it is. But trust me, Z, the message is not lost by no stretch of the imagination. There are people, my nephew, Michael Thomas from New Orleans Saints, tweeting, there's Aaron Rodgers, there's a host of other athletes that are not inside that bubble that is speaking out. There's a number of entertainers that are speaking out. This It's not going away. No. You may want, not you personally, but people may want it to go away. It's not going away. Fair enough. I just wanted to quickly mention, for those that may not be familiar, Maya Moore, UConn basketball legend, and she devoted her life to essentially help a man who is incarcerated get out of prison. So that essentially is what Jay was talking about. Real quick, I did promise LeBron James his comments after the game. He's the most important figure in sports right now when it comes to this issue. Here's LeBron after the game on, despite all of his success, being scared to live in America. Quite frankly, it's just up in our community. And us. I know people get tired of hearing me say it, but we are scared as black people in America. Black men, black women, black kids, we are, we are terrified. Because you don't know. You have no idea. You have no idea how that cop that day left the house. You don't know if he woke up on the good side of the bed. You don't know if he woke up on the, on the wrong side of the bed. You don't know if he had an argument at home with a significant other. You know, if it's one of his kids said something crazy to him and he left the house steaming. Or maybe he just left the house saying that today is going to be the end for one of these black people. That's what it feels like. Much more on this with Mark J. Spears from The Undefeated coming up at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time and more of Key and Jay talking about this subject coming up at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. They've been passionate and fiery all morning. We're seconds away from talking NFL, but first, let's go from A to Z. And it's time for the progressive MLB snapshot. Albert Pujols passing A-Rod, second on the all-time RBI list. He's now 210 behind Hammer and Hank Allen. Aaron, excuse me. Babe Ruth is unofficially number two because RBI didn't become an official stat for 100 years. So he's got 210 to catch Henry Aaron We'll see. It's pretty much a shame he's ending his career in relative anonymity. One of the greatest players of the modern era, just sort of motoring to the finish there in Orange County, though he got it done yesterday on the road in Houston. Inside Staples Center, Kobe Bryant's number eight and 24 have hung from the rafters since 2017. Yesterday was 824, August 24, Kobe Bryant Day forever in Orange County. We should mention Brett Brown is also out with the Philadelphia 76ers after seven years on the job. There's a lot of talk that, Jay, you think a couple candidates should definitely include Ty Lue. Yeah, I think Ty Lue is actually going to have a blank check with the teams that are available for his services between Chicago. You think about Houston, potentially Philadelphia, Brooklyn. Um, Ty Lue is going to be one of the most flirted with candidates that we may have seen in a long time. Milk them to the end, Ty. Milk them to the end. Get your money, T. Lou. <laughs> and that is it 
for Brett Brown in Philadelphia. You know, just the past couple of years have been a roller coaster of emotions and not nearly as much success as I'm used to. What's transpired with the Cleveland Browns since Baker's been there? They're on their fourth head coach. It's time to do our thing instead of talking about it. It's just time to work. So it's a big time season for Baker Mayfield. He's got his fourth head coach in three years. This time it's Kevin Stefanski, who's not even 40 years old himself. Is it make or break? Let's talk about it with our Browns writer, Jake Trotter. He joins us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, and he's with us. You're working on a big story on ESPN.com about this, which I hear is coming out on Thursday. So give us a little sneak peek about what 2020 could mean for Baker's short and long-term future in Cleveland. Yeah, Zubin, I mean, I think you nailed it. This is a little bit of a make-or-break season. You know, Baker's going to be extension-eligible after this year, and I think we'll have a better idea about whether he is, in fact, the long-lost answer to the Browns' you know, quarterback woes, whether he's their franchise quarterback that everybody thought he was after that rookie season. And, I mean, you look at last year, Baker's right, it was a roller coaster. It was an insane season. Um, you know, they had all kinds of issues. And one of them, though, was Baker just didn't play very well. And, you know, he'll be the first one to admit that. And he put in the work this offseason. Uh, uh, General Manager Andrew Barry told me the other day, you know, he cut, uh, you know, uh, body fat, added four pounds of lean mass. Uh, he looks good out there. You know, I covered him at Oklahoma, as you know, Zubin. And, you know, one thing that was underrated about Baker's game was his escapability. You know, you know think of him as being a great athlete, but he always had a knack for making plays outside the pocket and that's back. And that was something that he did not have last year because he was a little bit heavier. So uh, you look at the, the, the personnel around him, Odell Beckham is healthy again, looks great out there. They improved the offensive line. So even though he's on his fourth head coach, everything is in place for him to succeed this year. And it's going to come down to whether we see the Baker that we saw at OU and the Baker we saw as a rookie and, and, and if we do, I think the Browns are going to be a real threat to make the playoffs this year. You know, uh, Jake, we know the expectation for Baker Mayfield, right? We, we understand we understand that. But what are the expectations for OBJ and the expectations for the team as a whole? I think the expectation is to make the playoffs. You know, I said that last year and, and you know, they ended up going 6-10 and 10 and, and really weren't close. But, I mean, you just look at their talent. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt at running back. Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry at wide receiver. I, the guy that nobody's talking about, but I think is going to be a huge addition for them is Austin Hooper at tight end. They didn't have really any tight end play last year. You look at their offense and, like, where are the weaknesses? So if Baker is the guy, you know, that should be a top 10 offense in the NFL. And I think if you're a top 10 offense, you have a chance to, to knock on the door and make the playoffs. So um, <clears throat> you look at Miles Garrett defensively, you know, guy that could be a factor in the defensive player of the year conversation if he gets back to the level he was before the suspension in 2019. So, I mean, I, I think that I think the expectation is for the playoffs and I think the expectation specifically the OBJ is to be the guy that, you know, we, we talk about when we're having a conversation about who might the, the best receiver in the league be. In a division, obviously with the Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers getting back being Roethlisberger, who has the most pressure on them inside the organization <laughs> if this doesn't work out, let's say this year? In terms of the Browns, I mean, I really think it might be Baker. 
because you got rid of the general manager. You got rid of the coach. You devoted your entire offseason to, okay, let's get Baker better protection, uh, you know, at the tackle position. Let's go sign up. Let's go out and sign Jack Coughlin's who's been the number 10 overall pick on Jedrick Wills Jr. from Alabama. Um, Baker, you need a tight end. Let's go get the top one on the free agency market in, in Austin Hooper. Um, you know, the scheme last year wasn't a great fit, so let's go get Kevin Stefanski and, and run some play action and get you outside the pocket and, you know, use those two tight ends, which you've really, uh, you know, flourished in in the past. So, I mean, you know, it kind of comes back to Baker, um, you know, other than ownership. I, I, think, I think the pressure, if you're looking at who has the most pressure this year, it's probably the quarterback. Jake, when you look at OBJ, he hasn't had a 10 TD receiving season since 10, 000, uh, 2016. Is that just he's not getting targeted as much, having Jarvis Landry in the field? Like, wh- What is it that he needs to do differently this year to be the outstanding player? You know, I think, I think number one, he's got to be healthy. And, I mean, you look at the number of times that Odell was able to practice last year, and it was like he practiced like 15 times the entire year, you know, full practice injured the first week of training camp, basically was, you know, sitting out most team drills from then on out, would practice on Fridays, like during the season. And so, you know, he and Baker never were able to generate the kind of chemistry you need to excel in, in the NFL. So I, I think that's number one. You know, you have off-season surgery. Um, you just watch him. He's like jumping over guys' shoulders in practice. I mean, he's jumping up and making – catches and double coverage, like that wasn't happening in practice last year. And it really wasn't happening in the, in the, in the games either. And, and I think to him being healthy gives him a chance to get back to that level. Now, I don't know if he's going to have the numbers because, like you said, they've got Jarvis Landry. He, this is going to be a running team. That's what Kevin Stefanski does. And they've got Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt back there. You know, they're going to pound the ball a little bit. But I do think that Odell can be much more efficient. I think he's going to have more favorable matchups potentially than he did uh, last season. And, and I think that just, you know, being consistent and, and being a threat uh, all the time is, is going to pay off for the Browns because it, it really wasn't the case, especially late in the year when he was dealing with that nagging or turning injury. Jake, you know, it's a different animal when you are a position coach or a coordinator. The last four head coaches with Greg Williams involved in there – either called the offensive plays prior to becoming the head coach or Greg Williams calling the defensive plays prior to becoming the interim head coach. Kevin Stefanski comes over from Minnesota as an offensive coordinator, but now he's the head coach of the Cleveland Browns that is still going to call the plays. How do you think that that's going to be with Baker Mayfield making that adjustment? Well, I don't know that he's going to call the play. I mean, the plan that was in, I think that they wanted to go with in the off season before you know, everything changed and we had no, you know, no, no OTAs, no minicamp, no preseason games was for Alex Van Van Pelt, uh, who came over from Cincinnati uh, to be the play caller. They're still kind of working through that. I think ideally they would like to have Van Pelt call the plays and, you know, that'll allow Stefanski to be, you know, the head coach instead of just worrying about so much, um, you know, the, the the play calling. And, and, you know, look at last year, just didn't work very well. Um, for another first-time head coach in Freddie Kitchen. But he wasn't good anyway. Yeah, so I I think ideally they would like to have Van Pelt call the plays, but, you know, they were going to audition that in the preseason games. Now they don't have any preseason games, so they're going to have to kind of figure it out in practice. That's going to be a little bit more. But, you know, one thing I'll say with Stephanie Baker, 
uh, before you know the the pandemic, you know, back in in early mid February, whatever it was, Stefanski flew to Austin, Texas, and met with Baker personally and his family. And I think that meeting kind of laid the, the foundation for some trust because I know that Baker had no idea who Stefanski really was before that. And and I think just getting that meeting in, getting that face to face time, um, where they wouldn't have been able to get it in, you know, later on in the year when everybody was was you know quarantined and sheltered in place. Um, you know, I think I think gave them something to build off of, and you know everything I've heard. Baker is very impressed with with Stefanski, the way he carries himself, his offense, and they have a really nice relationship for really not having spent that much time. With him. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. The Browns will open at the Ravens September thirteenth. We'll look for your piece on ESPN.com and a make or break year for Baker on Thursday. Jake, thank you very much. Okay, thanks, Zuman. Take care. You got it. The Browns need to pick up Baker's fifth-year option after the season, and that's proof Mm. this is indeed a make-or-break year. Proof is brought to you by Pennzoil. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. On the way, what's the reaction to what's happened in Kenosha in the bubble in Orlando? We'll get that perspective on the way on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin next on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, Zubin Mahenti were presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's head right to the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Let's check in with Mark J. Spears. A reminder, drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. You have been in the bubble now for over a month. The first thing I kind of want to ask you is what the player reaction has been to the latest social unrest in the country since you are boots on the ground, Mark. Somber. Um, after the Bucks won yesterday, you think there would be a lot of excitement. You know, they're a game away from moving on to the second round. I know George Hill pretty well, and he comes out the locker room. It got nothing to do with the game, man. 
he looks at me and he's like, man, I'm tired of these crooked-ass cops. And he sits down, does a Zoom interview. He didn't have nothing to say really about the game. <laughs> and I understood, and I felt it. And, uh, you know, George also kind of questioned whether or not it was worth it for the players to be there. Um, kind of, and, and I think that's the first time I've heard that from one of the players since since I've been here. But I, I think with all due respect to George, who I love, man, the fact that we're on your show talking about this right now, the fact that, okay, LeBron James could have a voice, but I'm talking about George Hill. If these guys, the, the guys that didn't have the big names were on the outside, I don't know they, if they'd be heard like this. So I, I do think that the bubble was given a platform during a really sad time that, and my point will be never, I mean, in my opinion, doesn't seem to be ever never ending. Yeah, that's what, that's what Jay Will said earlier on the show about that exact thing. Mark, how do you feel about, what's your response to LeBron's strong message uh, about the shooting? I love it. I mean, I was, to be honest with you, I was, and Key and, and Jay, y'all, y'all correct me, man, because this is a young boy. Um, Giannis didn't want to say nothing. He's not from this country. He's a younger guy. I remember LeBron earlier in his career um, not saying a whole lot. I remember when he was asked about Darfur and, and declined to talk about it. Um, but, but, but you know, you know, you know how I go, Mark. You know how it is, though. If you don't, you don't have anything to say and you really don't understand yeah. it, there's really nothing. Like, it's hard uh, to say something when you really don't get it. It's like Kawhi didn't say anything either, though, Mark. You know, I mean, no, I know he wasn't on the podium. Well, I mean, Kawhi don't ever say anything. I, I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, but we, we don't, but, we don't but, demean no, him but, for that, I though. I mean, I, I, no, no, no. I, I'm, I give him a pass, but I do think too much is given. And, and I know Obama spent some time with him during All-Star, so, you know, maybe Giannis grows into that. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah, you would think Giannis would say something because of the Milwaukee connection to Wisconsin. I get it. Yeah. But, again, he's young, and he may not necessarily just get it the whole picture. You know, like, here's a platform for you, whether you're from this country or not, yeah. to, to step on it and, and have your voice heard. But, Mark, let, let me say this because yeah. – I feel where you're coming from, though, and you're you're you're, you're there. the The energy around there has to be so different. Tell me what you're feeling that you think the players are feeling collectively being in that group together. Do they feel lessened? Do they feel more emboldened? What's the ultimate feeling they have there? I, I think they definitely feel strengthened, and maybe it gives them an extra push to continue. Uh, raising their voice. Because I, I think, I don't know, like, look, I'm not watching the games like you guys are. Do you see the kneeling? Are we showing it on TV? Perhaps not anymore. I, I noticed the ball boys aren't wearing the Black Lives Matter shirts anymore. So I always wondered from the beginning, is this message going to start to quiet the longer we're here? Perhaps the only silver lining I could hit, see from this this nightmare in, in Kenosha is that it woke these guys up to to get louder again, you know. And um, so certainly it was a somber move, but but I give these guys credit, man. I, it didn't take this for them to wear the shirts, to speak out, to be loud. They're being loud, but it's hard for me to understand being on the inside here, if the world is listening to them anymore. Hmm. I think, 
I that, think that's the thing that's difficult for me to gauge. I think the world is still listening. Um, it's just not as loud because, or wasn't as loud because there wasn't a whole lot of major activity throughout every single city like there was three, four months ago. Um, but I still yeah. think that the message is loud and clear. The message is not going to go anywhere. I mean, it's it's, it's really yeah. not. It's here to stay. When you when you look around the country and you see whites, blacks, Asians, Indians, you name it, in unison, in kneeling down, uh, holding hands, locking arms, that's, you know, that's what's going on. Maybe it's not being seen all over regular news stations, Mark, but it's it's still there. Yeah. So, Mark, then, yeah. then answer me this, Mark. So, you know, when I hear George Hill say that, and George Hill is my brother, too, and I feel he's frustrated, you know, what do you say to the – the alternative response to that by saying, well, you had the option to not be here, right? You had the option well, to not be yeah. here and to be back in, you know, the streets and protesting and things of that sort. Cause you know, that's what people who are against what athletes are saying. That's what they're saying right now. Yeah. And, and I asked George, I said, so are you leaving? <laughs> he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, are you leaving? He's like, nah, he's not going, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I think the frustration level is just high. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just high, man. And it's, um, I have a friend who I love and like in a group chat with people of different races. And I'm like, I, I text them what happened. And like, again, I'm like, again, <laughs> it's been happening right. it's long before I was on this earth. Yeah. And to us, you know, it's, there it goes. With all, with, right. with all that, you know, we're, you know, with all that negativity that's going on right now with us, let's stick to some positive stuff. Let's change real quick course here. Yeah, we'll uh, talk hoop. Yeah, a little hoop, man. A little, <laughs> yeah, little, some hoop. little yeah, hoop yeah, before yeah. I, I say something that get us canceled. Um, how confident? I know. Hey, and, and congrats on y'all show, man. Thank you. You I, like I, it, I, don't you, Mark? That's beautiful. Oh man, <laughs> um, I'm so ha- I'm really happy for all three of y'all, man. Yeah. Three you, beautiful people giving your mind out collectively. I congrats. Well, at least at least Thanks. one person likes us out there. Uh, <laughs> how confident right now are the Lakers, man? How confident are we? And you notice I said we in, in finishing this yeah, thing out tomorrow I night. I, I know your allegiance is. Yeah, thank um, you. I think the thing is, key is when they walked into the playoffs, that first game was really their first game. Like, Portland been playing for their lives. It's kind of the same way with the Magic. They've been playing for their lives and positioning and everything. So all of a sudden, the Lakers and the Bucks come in and they've been fishing, getting tanned, just enjoying the bubble. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is how they playing now? <laughs> so I think they had to wake up, like, Okay, yeah. we got to put our foot on the gas pedal because these dudes ain't playing. They coming at our heads right out the gate. So I think for both those teams, it was a kind of a wake up call to 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 push the gas more. Yeah, I and, to... and it was probably a good one for both those teams. And now, the one thing I one scout told me, actually an assistant coach told me, he thought was interesting was he said LeBron is when he gets to this attack mode where he scores more on the inside and bully balls on the inside and, and, you know, tries to push more on the inside and use that, that, that strength that you guys have talked about to score. He said he typically saves that for later in the playoffs, not so early. But I, I, but I do think that Portland's not your typical first-round matchup either. But that, they'll be fine, and, and they definitely seem like, all right, they're, they're ready. They're, they're moving. 
Mark, take me to the other team in L.A. with the Clippers. Uh, Luca's been absolutely going off. Series is 2-2 two, yeah. two now. What kind of changes do they need to make in order to slow Luca down? Shoot, man. <laughs> That's a bad boy, bro. Wow. Uh, hey man, I'm, I love Zion and Ja and all that, and that's cool. But they need to, we need to start in terms of these young dudes. We need to start putting this cat on a pedestal. He's proven, and he's for real. And so, good luck. And look, NJ, you play who on a high level for a long time. Why are they switching? Oh, don't get me, Mark. Don't get me started. That's the first thing I came in here when I saw Kia and them yesterday. I said Kawhi Leonard. You know, I, I get in battles with Mark Max Kellerman every day on the first take, talking about he's the best player in the game, and I, he is definitely in that upper stratosphere. I was shocked to see him switch at the end of a game, knowing how great of a defender he is. They say, "Go ahead, Reggie Jackson, you guard Luka no, Doncic." Man. I was shocked. These guys, I don't know that the NBA is about these trends, and it's the same trend that when the Cavaliers beat the Warriors. In that game seven a couple years ago, Ty Lue was intelligently switching. Then next thing you know, you got LeBron on Festus Azili shooting a three-pointer over Festus Azili to change the game around and get fouled. Um, I don't know why that trend worked. It's terrible. And and if I'm a uh, – like, to me, like, shoot, you, get, you guard who you guard. Skip a switch. Your help defender better tell you to go up or down. I, I mean, I know we're talking real basketball stuff here, but – I just don't get it. If I'm Kawhi, like, that doesn't happen again. If I'm Paul George, like, whoever you're supposed to get, get. Ain't no, ain't no damn switching. And I think that I need I need to see a mano-a-mano battle between Kawhi and Luka, not Luka and whoever switches on him. A guy, he's so right. I mean, that's, that's that was playoff P's thing, right? I mean, he said it. I'm no James Harden. Yeah. Then go get him then, Paul. We're, yeah. And go we're, get him, Paul. We're, we're up against it, Coach Spears. Uh, thank you for joining <laughs> us. Uh. <laughs> Clippers, Mavericks, 9 o'clock Eastern tonight. We'll see if Luca's on that pedestal. Mark, really appreciate it. Hey, man, love y'all. Congrats, bro. Thanks, Thanks, brother. Thank you so much. Still to come, Nick Saban is weighed in again, and when he talks college football listens, he said the season should be played for one simple reason. What is it? We'll get it straight from Coach. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. You're watching us on ESPN News. It's a beautiful day at the South Street Seaport. Welcome back to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We're coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, and we're brought to you, of course, by Chase. Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, also brought to you by Indeed. If finding a high-impact hire is a serious goal for your business, use Indeed. Their flexible payment options mean better bang for your buck with no long-term contracts. They'll even give you a $75 credit for your first sponsored job post at Indeed.com slash high-impact terms and conditions apply. Nick Saban has weighed in. And when we had Coach K on during week one, Jay, you know this better than anybody. When Coach speaks, the entire college basketball world listens. Mm -hmm. And when this coach speaks, the entire college football world listens. And uh, Saban doesn't really paint around the edges too much. He kind of tells you how he feels when he's standing there back in the old days with the Coke bottle, right, (laughs) to his right at the podium. He's in a situation now where he's talking to everybody via Zoom like everybody else, and he wanted to make sure that this season is played. The SEC for this moment is ready to play, and they should be playing for just one group. This is about the players. Everybody acts like, you know, we want to play for the money. We want to play for the players. I want to play for the players. We have a lot of guys on our team that can create a lot of value for themselves by playing this season. We can create a lot of value, and these guys have worked very hard to try to create and accomplish something as a team. You know, all those things to me are important to the players, and I want to play for the players. I know it's important to the fans. I love our fans. I love the way they support our team. They're a part of our team. Uh, we want them to continue to be a part of our team in whatever way that they can. I, but this is really about providing an opportunity for the players if we can do it in a safe way. You know, funny, Key, when I hear this, I think to myself, um, where have I heard some version of that before? And I think about his old offensive coordinator, Lane Kiffin, and Saban sort of doubled down and said, yeah, there's 85 on scholarship and we're not sending all 85 to the National Football League. But for the guys that really need this season to happen, to go full stop is a huge disservice to them. Well, it, to a degree, it to is. To a degree. I mean, they, they, if you could be a millionaire for one year from now, right? Yeah, but, but there's, they're selling this to people that don't really know the inner workings of scouting in the NFL. They're, they've got to evaluate you, whether you're freshman, sophomore, junior, redshirt junior, you're still being evaluated. Yes. Will a season help you? Absolutely it could. But if you don't play, it's not going to hurt you because they're going to look at height, weight, size, and speed, combine shirts and T-shirts, T-shirt All-Americans. That's what they're going to look at along with whatever footage that you have. What about the Burrow argument? But you can can have the – no, that's not true, though, We may not even have a combine this year. What are you going to do about this year? The same thing that they did last year when they had a combine but no off-season workouts. They couldn't do private testing. They went off of what they had together. But what you don't think that makes it, it makes, more difficult? 
It that's their damn job. No, I hear you, but all I'm saying is, don't you think it makes it way more difficult if your sample size is exponentially smaller because now you're doing work based upon what you saw last year and what you're only seeing by numbers? That takes away the nuances of things you, and seeing what a player's progression could be over the course of you, the year. You can benefit. A player can benefit. There's no question from playing, right? There's uh-huh. no question that the, the Joe Burrow, who it's many guys other Kyler than Joe Murray, Burrow. Baker Mayfield, what, all these guys needed you to can go point. One. You can point to that. But if it doesn't happen, don't make it sound and seem as though a, a scout, a general manager, president of a team, a talent evaluator can't project and evaluate the talent in front of you. I'm not saying they can't project it. I'm just saying it makes it exponentially more difficult to project. It, it. That's true, but that's their damn job. So guess what? Stop being lazy. Get in the room and break it down the way it needs to be. I'm going to say this. Look, I, I know a lot of scouts. I would never categorize them as lazy. Well, I'm some of them. be real with you. No, some of them, some of them, be honest with you, some of them lazy. Okay. I'm I, just I, telling you, some the, of them are The ones are I know on the basketball side bust their tail. They're out there seeing crazy amounts of games, having conversations with coaches, yeah, high school coaches, you know, talking to other evaluators. Yeah, but it's, it's a ton of them on, on the, from a football standpoint that I know, they lazy. Mm. They're, I'm just telling you the real. They, they, think that they make you believe that they out there really doing their job. How do you think people get caught and lost in the weeds? Because you really didn't evaluate that guy at the level. You just basically took the information that you got from somebody else and looked at him and was like, oh, he's not that good. That's why guys go undrafted and turn out to be stars. You know, but you asked me a question the other day. Mm-hmm. You said, how do people miss on Donovan Mitchell? Like, I watch Donovan Mitchell every single day. I don't think I planned for well, Donovan Mitchell to be like this. I thought Donovan Mitchell would have been a guy that would have came off the bench, scored. He was a slasher. Nobody expected Donovan Mitchell to be a superstar in the NBA. Well, his like, game is going obviously go at another level at times when he's working and getting to the NBA and learning the NBA. I'm asking you, how do the teams that passed on him miss? Like, that, how do you miss on that that's situation? That's my point, though. If Donovan Mitchell didn't have that year at Louisville, there's no way evaluator would have been able to see him like that the year before when he wasn't playing that well, right? Like, it was just a big jump. And that's all I'm saying. I'm just trying to make the case that when you have an extra year, sometimes you may see a burst in your game or something may change that a scout can catch up on. It will help, but I don't like when coaches try to sell that as that that is the deciding factor Mm -hmm. on why kids should play because it's not. Everybody's not going in the first round. Everybody's not going in the second round. Everybody's not going in the third That's round. Fair. And so to to try and sell it to families and sell it to the public as if the player, if he doesn't play – Chances are he's going to get drafted lower. That's just that's that's flat out lies. I, I think Nick Saban just loves football so much, and I don't think a lot of players. If you don't love football, play. just say just say I love football. Well, I want to play. I don't think a lot of players don't want to play. I think a lot of players want to play, and because I think that they, he's defending that because they're selling it to the players and putting that fear in them as if they're not going to accomplish their goals if they don't play. And I'm talking about guys that have an opportunity to go to the NFL. Fair enough. We should also mention that it helps his recruiting and keeps the machine going. Absolutely. The games continue. Yeah. Coming up, top of the hour, LeBron with a strong verbal game after their big game against the Bulls. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. 
Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com.